There's no silver gold and no treasure untold that could draw me away from you. Neither love of myself or of anyone else will do.
Give the band a big round of applause. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Wonderful. God is good. Amen. Thank you for that, man. I, I can't tell you what this group up here means to this church, man. They deserve a big round of applause this morning. You know, I, I know why they're doing it. They're, they're, they're not doing it for self-glory. They're doing it for Jesus. And, you know, sometimes sometimes people people mistake somebody that's serving as a glory seeker, but somebody that serves and puts their whole heart in it, man, you can really tell. You know, I think that that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did for us. He put everything in for us. I mean, believe that this morning. He gave us, he gave us his all. I think we should give him his all too, our all too, amen. Amen, amen. 1 Corinthians 1, 18. I'm going to go as long as I can go today, and then I'm going to stop, and we're going to pick it back up, and we're going to call this series The Message of the Cross. There's a story about a little girl who proudly wore a shining cross on a chain around her neck. One day she was approached by a man who said to her, Little girl, don't you know that the cross Jesus died on wasn't beautiful like the one you're wearing. It was an ugly wooden thing. To which the young girl replied, Yes, I know, but they said in my Sunday school that whatever Jesus touches, he changes. How many believe that this morning? Pray he touches you this morning. This is part of the message this morning. It's from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. I know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. And the scripture says, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made them look foolish and has shown their wisdom to be useless as nonsense. Verse 21, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never find him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preachings to save all those who believe. God's way seems foolish to the Jews because they want a sign from heaven to prove it's true. And it's Foolish also to the Greek because they believe only what agrees with their own wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, 
the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those, say those, but to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God is far wiser than the wisest human plans. And God's weakness is far stronger than the greatest of human strength. Somebody give God a praise. Amen. A few years ago, when Oprah Winfrey started out her television show, she was interviewing some, some, some ladies and gentlemen who were having an affair on, on their spouse. She was interviewing them, and she said, do you think that that's right? These, these men and women were having affairs, and, 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 and it's immoral wrong to have an a, a affair on your wife or your spouse. How many agree with that this morning? We know because we believe in the Bible. We know because we believe in the Ten Commandments. I, I know that the Ten Commandments were given us to us in the Old Testament, but they're still relevant today. Somebody ought to agree with me this morning. Oprah Winfrey was doing this show and someone in the audience raised the questions of morality. Instead, the woman took offense. She said, wait a minute. She said, I'm a Christian. This woman was cheating with a married man. And, 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 and when they said, well, what about what the Bible says? What about morality? What about, what about this other, other man's wife? She said, wait a minute. She got offended. When, when, you know, a lot of people get offended when you confront them with their sin. Huh, somebody ought to agree with me, amen. That's why when I got the report that people were gossiping about me, I said, you know what, they, they just confronted with their sin and they don't like what they hear, so it don't bother me a bit what they say about me behind my back. I preach what God tells me to say and most of it ain't on paper, amen. So when this, this, this the, the, the question of morality, uh, the questions of ethic, the questions of what does the Lord think, instantly the woman took offense. She said, wait a minute, I'm a Christian, but I want everybody to know my personal life and my religious life are two different things. Ain't happening, cowboy. Ain't happening, cowgirl. Then she went on to say, I believe in a God who wants me to be happy. And if this makes me happy, then God approves of my relationship. That's an amazing belief. I wonder where she found that because it's not in my Bible. Can I say this to you this morning? God, God is more concerned about growing us up in the image of Jesus Christ than he is in our happiness, my brothers and sisters. I wish somebody would grab that for just a minute. You know... This is amazing belief, and I wonder where she found it because it's not in the Bible. But that kind of thinking is not new. It's been around a long time. People have always wanted a God who's placed his stamp of approval on their lifestyle. God, do you approve if I'm okay if I go out here and I sleep around? God, are you okay if I, if I just go out here and I gossip behind people? God, are you okay if I just lie a little bit? God, are you okay if, if I can do what I want, say what I want, act any way I want to? God, will you just put your stamp of approval on my life? People have thought about that for a long, long time. That is not how God works, my brothers and sisters. Somebody believe me today. God does not work that way. People have always wanted God to place his stamp of approval on their lifestyle, never requiring any change for better. And they have come up with so many kind of emphasis on Miss Vicky to make it sound all right. 
Now what, when, when a couple is not married, you know what they used to call it, living in sin. When a couple was not married, but they lived together, and I'm not, I'm not trying to convict you of that. I want God to convict you of that. Somebody ought to agree with me this morning. If that offends you, hey, maybe you're not in the right church this morning, or maybe you're in the right church this morning. I, I was preaching that a couple of weeks ago, and a couple came up to me and said, Pastor, can you marry us this week? I said, Amen, Amen. I had the brother from me from, uh, from, that does my T-shirts. He come up to me, and, and he said, look, man, I've been going to church, and, and, and God convicted me about living with this woman that I'm not married to. He said, I need to make plans. He said, I went to my pastor, but my pastor said he wouldn't do it because we're already living together. I said, show up Friday at 4 o'clock. I'll be there. Whatever happened to the pastors that believed in helping people get over their sin, helping people get away from their sins? Living in sin is what it used to be called. Now they call it a committed relationship. We used to call abstinence a way of lifestyle. Now it's called a neurotic adventure. You're on a neurotic adventure. I'm still making Miss Vicky, and Miss Vicky still believes the way that I, I do, and her leaders still believe the way that I do, that abstinence is the best way for our youth program. One lady told my wife one time, as long as, as, long as, as they practice safe sex. My wife said, nah, we don't believe that way. Nah, we don't believe that way. My wife ran into the bedroom. She said, you ain't going to believe what this crazy woman done told me. I said, try me. I heard a lot. She said, it's okay for her daughter to have sex as long as she's doing it safely. Can I say to you this morning, there is no safe way to have sex. Sex was not built for us to do safety. It was built for us to, to be in love with someone. Come on, somebody, in a way of showing affection. And can I say this, girls, young ladies, girls, wait till they put a ring on it. <laughs> if you got a daughter up in the house, you're like, hey, amen, amen. Wait till daddy has to pay for it. Pay for that wedding. What they used to call killing an unborn baby is now called pro-choice. They want to put their stamp of approval on any way they want to. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. When you come to know Christ, there's a new way that, and you learn real quick that some things we used to do are not okay anymore. By way of the cross... You may not have believed what I said earlier, but by way of the cross, those young men may be convicted where they were last night about the choices that they were making and change those choices for eternity. I think we ought to put a cross right in the middle of that arena. We'll rope around it, buck bulls around it, run barrels around it. We'll just make it the third barrel down there. That'll get them saved or hurt one of the two. Jesus encountered this attitude every day. He looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and called them hypocrites and washed tombs. 
I, I, I was thinking about that. Whitewashed tombs. I, I had never heard that before until I read it. He called them hypocrite and whitewashed tombs. And I, So I had to do some research, Brother Tony. What is a whitewashed tomb? And, and, and let me break it down for you in cowboy logic. A whitewashed tomb is somebody that looks good on the outside, that's got all the great looks, that got all the nice talk, that carries their Bible nice and tight up under their arm on their way to their Sunday school class. But on the inside, behind closed they are dirty and filthy hypocrites a whitewashed tomb Jesus called them out he said look you might look good on the outside you might walk the talk and talk the talk but you ain't living it brother you ain't believing it you're trying to make it there's oh lord help me I'm going to say it where you can understand let me slow down there are too many whitewashed Christians today there are too many people in this church today and churches all around the world today that clean up real good on the outside. But on the inside, on the outside, they're not really godly at all. They don't really act like Christians at all. They want to lie about people. They want to slander people. They want to gossip about people. They want to hurt people. They, they, they're self-seekers. They want all that they can get. They want their way, their wisdom, their knowledge, their stamp of approval on everything. Whitewashed. Well, whitewashed tombs. That's, that's, I should have made me a whitewashed tomb this morning, Miss Charity. I should have cleaned it up real pretty and then had the people that just weren't quite right with God come sit up on it. But I guarantee you nobody would have got up and come and sat on it because too many people today don't get up for altar calls, Miss Vicky, when they know that there's stuff in their life that they need to give to God. Somebody ought to amen that. That's good preaching. There's too many people that won't come to no repentance because they're scared that it's going to take the fun out of their life. It's not going to take the fun out of your life. It's going to change your life for the better. You know, Jesus encountered this attitude in his day. He looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and he called them hypocrites and whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they appeared to be prayerful and obedient to God, but on the inside, they were rotten. There are people like that today. That lady we talked about on the Oprah show, it was okay for her to lie with a married man. That ain't okay, my brothers and sisters. There are far too many people who want a God who doesn't require any change. My God requires change. The God that you serve and the God that you believe in requires change. Out with the old and in with the new. I, I think, my brothers and sisters, sometimes we get so far away from the message of the cross that we absolutely, Miss Janet, forget what Jesus went through on the cross. I was trying to recap in my mind because when it gets close to Easter and we start talking about the resurrection and the cross, when it gets close to Easter, we start bringing up these messages about a, a risen Savior, but it was on the way to the cross that he suffered so much for you and for me. They spit in his face. They pulled his beard right from his face. If you, if you wear a beard, raise your hand. You wear a beard, raise your hand where I can see it. Don't, don't, don't. They ripped Jesus' beard right out of his face. 
on the way to the cross. They, they, they whipped him with the cat of nine tails for my sin and your sin. They chained him to a big log. You've seen it in the movies. They chained, but it wasn't nothing like the movies. They chained him to a big log. And there they went to whipping on him with the cat of nine tails. And they were ripping his skin and his flesh. They were going right down to the bone. In his face. They hit him in his face. They spit in his face. They ripped his beard. And if that wasn't enough about the cross, they had to nail it to the cross. Can I say it to you this morning for your sins? It wasn't no little pin nail. It was a stake. It was the sharpest point that they could make. It was, it was an iron-type stake, like a railroad spike. It was, a, it, was, it was round. It was long. And they drove it through one hand, and then they drove it through the other. And it, for your sins, they put one of his foot on top of the other foot, and they drove the spike nail through his feet for my sins and for your sins. And don't you think that Don't you think that he don't love you because he loved you. He went through all that for you. By way of the cross, he went. But too many people today say, I'll do whatever I want. I'll say whatever I want. But sooner or later, we bump into that old rugged cross. I bumped into that old rugged cross at Parkview Baptist Church. It changed my life forever. I come by way of the cross. I, I come by, by believing that Jesus died on the cross. My wife, she comes by way of the cross. My kids come by way of the cross. We believe that our Savior, we believe that our Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ. And we believe in the cross. We believe that He hung and He died for my sins and for your sins. We come from Waco, Texas by way of the cross. We got in our car, we got in our truck, we drove down here, we moved our family into a single wide trailer on this property. We went from a 3,000 square foot brick house to a two bedroom single wide trailer. And my kids bunk bed on top of one another and we come by way of the cross. We fell in love with Jesus. We fell in love with what he done for us on the cross. Some of you are here this morning because you fell in love with that same Jesus. We believe alike. Come on, somebody. We believe alike. Give God a praise. Celebrate that. We believe alike. alike. But there's always one or two, Miss Vicky, that don't believe like we do. Miss Mary, there's always one or two or three that say, I can do whatever I want. My kids can do whatever they want. My, my family can do whatever they want to. Some of us believe different that if you come by way of the cross, there ought to be some evidence. There ought to be some fruits being bared. There ought to be a lifestyle change. That's why, that's why the cross makes, 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 makes no sense to a lot of people because they can't believe it. I believe it. How many believe it? Give God an amen. Uh, then they, huh, they, they put a crown of thorns on his head and they masked it down. He hung there. I, I, it was so horrible that it, it's hard for us to talk about it. But we are about it. We believe about it. Sooner or later, 
we bump into that old rugged cross. There we met God. And God said to Mark Grimes, I don't like your sin. God said to Benny Macluso, I don't like your sin. God said to Scott, I don't like your sin. God said to Miss Mags, I don't like your sin. Sometimes we bump into the old rugged cross and he says, Mr. Mr. Rayford, I don't like your sin. And we start to change. We start to take that sin out of our lives by way of the cross. The Bible says, and we read it this morning, we read it together, that those who believe there's power in that. We believe that the power to change our lives comes by Jesus Christ. Somebody, amen. There we met Jesus. He said, I don't like your sin. It is so horrible that it requires me to go to the cross and suffer and die to free you from this punishment that you deserve. Paul declares in 1 Corinthians that the Jews stumbled over the cross and the Greeks think it's foolish. But others see it as power and wisdom. And there's still three kinds of people in this world today. And that's why I thought we better take this into a series and make sure if you're one of these kind of people that you will make a decision to follow Christ. The first kind of people that we want to talk about are the Jews. The Jews stumbled over it because Jesus wasn't their kind of Messiah. They wasn't what they were looking for. That's strange because the Jews had been carefully picked by God. He had watched over them, protected them down through the generations. He prepared them to be a nation through the Messiah. But the Bible says in John 1.11, he came to them, but his own refused him. Come on, somebody. I mean, you've heard that before. But he came, they crucified him. The Bible says that Jesus came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. The Jews were looking for something a little bit better, a little more refined, a little more polished up. They were looking for somebody different. Let me say this, Jesus is a little different. And I am a little different because of him today. No, I'm a lot different because of him today. Uh, you so glad you don't know the old me. I'll testify to myself, amen. How many people are a little different because of Jesus? A lot different because of Jesus. It's strange that the Jews did not, did not, did not take him in, love him. The Bible said that, that God had prepared them for a Messiah to come. Why didn't they receive him? Because the Jews demanded signs and and miracles. They were expecting a Messiah who would perform miracles on their behalf. Now this is amazing that that Jesus was doing all that. I'm going to preach here in a minute. And you're going to listen here in a second. Listen. Jesus, they, they, they were looking for somebody to do miracles. To, they were looking for signs and wonders. And Jesus was doing all that. He was making the blind see. The lame walk. He was healing the lepers. Jesus was doing all that. He was cleansing people. He was ministering to them. He was reaching out and meeting their needs. But those weren't the kind of miracles that they wanted. They weren't the kind of signs of power and success that they wanted. They wanted a Messiah who would overthrow the Romans and establish the kingdom of David. If he had marched an army, led them into battle and defeated them, then they would have accepted him. But Jesus did not come that way. He did not come that way. He came by way of the cross. Somebody hear me. He came by way of the cross. 
They wanted a leader that, that would come and be big and powerful. And Jesus was all that. But they missed him. So many today are missing a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of, because of things ain't going quite right. Or they didn't get this break. Or, 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 or they don't get this power. They didn't get that promotion. They miss that Jesus can be in their life. And be head of their life. No matter what's going on in their life. I followed Jesus no matter what the circumstances are in my life. I chose to follow him and I chose to believe in him. And that means in the storm times. That means in the bad times. That means when people don't agree with everything that I'm doing, I still choose to follow him and listen to him and understand him and know that his ways are better than my ways. I wish somebody would understand that today. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that I come by way of the cross. Jesus came by way of the cross. You see, dying on the cross doesn't look like a success or power. It doesn't look like victory. Back then, it looked like weakness. It looked like failure. It looked like defeat. So the Jews were stumbling over it. It kept getting in their way. Not only did they have a false concept of the Messiah, they also had a false concept of salvation. They thought that the way of salvation was through their own righteousness. So they were busy keeping the law. They were busy keeping God's law. They were going through the motions. They were going through the synagogue. They were going at the appointed time. They were saying the appointed prayer. Every week they would stand up in church and say the same prayer. Every night they would go and they would say the same thing. They would hear all they could hear. They would give all that they could give. But... They were going about it the wrong way. They were going for their own righteousness. I'm afraid today that people are still like that, baby. They think that they can get to heaven on their own. They think that they can get there on their own. There's only one way to heaven. That's by believing in Jesus Christ. I'm afraid that there are people just like that in our world today. So in their own minds, they don't need a savior. Did you know that I get that week after week being the pastor of this church? People say, I don't need the savior. I don't need, I, I see it all the time. They say, I don't need a savior. I don't need, I got this figured out. Or I'll do it later. I don't need that savior today. You're not promised tomorrow, so you need that savior today. They don't need anybody to die on a cross for them. They thought the way of salvation was through their own righteousness, which they carefully designed in their own mind. As a result, they kept stumbling over it. They kept stumbling over the cross. You know, I love that the Lord makes it simple for you and I to come to know him as our personal Lord and Savior. He came by way of the cross, and the Jews thought, nah, I, I got to do all this and do all that. I hear this a lot. I'm done. Listen, I'm done. We're going to pick it up next week. Listen, I hear this a lot. I'll wait till I get everything right, then I'll come to church. How many of you have heard that before? Wait till I stop popping the pills, I'll come to church. Wait till I clean up my life. Wait till I stop smoking the weed, I'll come to church. Wait till I get all my money together, I'll come to church. God wants you right now, right here, right today. You know, I believe in the cross with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul. I, I, I know that he don't live on that cross no more either. 
He came by way of the cross and the Jews, the Jews, his own people. There are some people in here that believe in God, but they don't live like it. There are people in this church this morning that believe in God, but their lifestyle says different. There are people in this church that believe in God. The devil believes there's a God. Huh? The atheists believe that there's a God. But do you believe in a risen Savior? The Jews, they, 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 the, his own people, his own people turned their back on him. One day they were hollering, that one day they were hollering, King of Kings, Lord, Lord, Hosanna. They were waving the palm branches. The next day they were saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Someone said, when we keep sinning, we keep crucifying him, crucifying him, crucifying him. There come a day I needed to make some changes, Brother Gus. I, I was like, Man, I, I don't like me. I look in the mirror and I don't like the guy I see. Come a time in my life where I, I took a cold, hard look in the mirror and I said, that's not what God created me to be. You see, I wasn't looking at my perfection, my, my image. I was looking on the inside. See, where God dwells is on the inside. Where God wants to go to work on you is on the inside. I looked in that mirror and I said, man, that's not what you created me to be. I don't like me. And I heard him whisper, but I love you. Same whisper I heard in the back of that cock car when they took me to the penitentiary. I didn't go by way of, I, I, when I went to the penitentiary, most people that go to the penitentiary, they catch one of these big buses, they call them a bluebird. They're white. I don't know why they call them a bluebird. I didn't go by the way that most People headed to prison and go. They they usually pick you up in the middle of the night and they put you on a bus. And these buses are bluebirds and they take you to wherever you go. I did not go that way. I, I, I had stayed in the county jail for a long time. And then my time to come was to go to, to a penitentiary in Gatesville, Texas called the Hughes Unit, which was a maximum security prison. And, and my time come, they said, we need him there now. And they had took me and put me in the back seat of a police car. And when I rolled up to the gates of this penitentiary, the cop car rolled up to these. Now, I want you to imagine these big double gates. See, I didn't go by the way everybody else went. I guess God knew that he was going to whisper something to me that would get me through what I was about to endure. When they rolled back that gate, I saw 750 to 1,000 inmates. Everywhere. They were standing everywhere. They were hanging on the fence. They were screaming. They were hollering. They rolled that thing back, and I was in the back of that police car. And I said, Lord, I can't do this by myself. And I felt my hand squeeze. It was a miracle. In the back of that cop car, I felt my hand squeeze. And he said, you don't have to go through this by yourself. Hold somebody's hand on your right and hold somebody's hand on your left. Touch somebody. Hold their hand. Hold their hand. Hold their hand. I did this one day. We had 35 people get saved. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want you to gently, I don't care if you didn't come with that person, hold their hand. Shh. I was in the back of that police car. And I said, Lord, I can't do this by myself. Now, granted, I want to say this to you before you open your eyes. 
I didn't have no meaningful relationship with God. I believed. I had prayed when I was 14 and asked him to come into my life at youth camp. But I never served him. But he still loved me anyway. He still took care of me. I was in the back of that police car. See, I didn't go by way that most criminals went. Somehow, they they took me in the back of this police car, and I was in that police car, and they rolled that gate, and I saw 750 to 1,000 inmates everywhere. And I said, Lord, I can't do this by myself. And my hand squeezed, and I heard him whisper, you don't have to do this by yourself. Squeeze the person's hand on your left. Just lightly squeeze it. Squeeze the person's hand on your right. Just lightly squeeze it. I was all alone. I thought, maybe you're going through something this morning. You think you're all alone. No, you're not. Jesus loves you. He died on that cross for you. He wants to take you by the hand and take control of your life today. In the back of that car, all alone, he said, I got you. And my hand squeezed. I promised before the Lord it was a miracle. You know, I did two and a half years in the penitentiary. I never got hurt. I never got raped. I never got taken advantage of. I made head trustee, learned how to work. God showed me things about myself that allowed me to be a better person when I got out. See, I didn't go by the way that all the other criminals went. God had a different plan for me. There were two thieves hanging on the cross next to him that day. Both of them bound for hell. One of them was laughing at Jesus. Keep your eyes closed. You might have been that one that was laughing at Jesus, thinking it was foolish and thinking, ha, 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 here you are. You're just like us. But there was the other thief that believed. And the Lord lifted up and mustered up enough strength to look that thief in the eye and said, on this day you'll be with me in paradise. If you're here today and you've never prayed and asked Christ to come into your life, now let go of the hands and put your hands in your own lap. Put your hands in your lap. If you're here today and you've never prayed and asked Christ to come into your life and you want to today, will you do that with me? This may sound foolish to you, but it's not foolish. This is the way that I did it. This is the way that so many of others have done it. They just prayed and they believed by faith that Jesus was real. If you're here today, pray with me right now. Just say, Lord, come into my life and save me. Today I make you my Lord and Savior. Pray with me right now. Just say, Lord, Today I make you my Lord and Savior. I'm going to serve you from this day forward. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And that three days later you rose from the dead. Lord come into my life and save me. Change me. Make me new again. With only your hands in your lap. Your hands are not touching nobody else. If you prayed that with me this morning. Would you slip your hand up and let me see you. You needed to invite Christ into your heart. There's one, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Four, five. Don't be ashamed. He wasn't ashamed of you. Five, six. Thank you, Jesus. Take this time right now. Stick your arm up and say, I believe, Pastor. I'm believing this morning for the first time. You prayed that. May God bless you. May God sustain you. May God come into your life. Somebody, amen. Amen, amen. How many believe that with me? May God sustain you. May God take care of you from this point. He's been waiting for you to come. God has been waiting for you to lift your hand up and say, I need a Savior. His name is Jesus. He can change your whole life. 
you're here this morning and and he's talked to you like he talked to me in that back of that car. You're going through some things. And when your hand squeezed it, you needed to know from God today that he's got your life. Come down to the altar right now and give him your troubles, your problems. Come on, don't, don't wait on somebody else to get up. If you need to get up, God talked to you this morning. I'm going to say the altar is wide open. Come down right now. Say, Lord, I'm laying all my cares, my concern, my husband, my marriage, my finances. Lord, you got me, and I'm trusting you, and I'm coming to the altar this morning. Amen. Oh, praise God. There's a, an abundance of people. Don't you wait. Don't you wait. Don't you miss the opportunity. The righteous, they'll keep stumbling over this. They'll keep trying to contemplate, how can this be? How can God take care of my problems? How can God take care of my kid in prison today? How can God take care of my, my daughter? Let me say this to you. He can because he wants to. He can because he loves them as much as he loves you. Lord, the altar is full this morning. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that these down here receive that miracle today. Lord, would they receive that miracle from you today? When they walk out of here and they say, it was Jesus. It was Jesus that took the pills out of my life. It was Jesus who took the drugs out of my life. Yes, Lord. Thank you for the ones that come this morning. They come by way of the cross. Let's give them just a minute to, to talk to God. never too late for you. On this day, you'll be with me in paradise. There were six people that raised their hand going to be in paradise. Hallelujah. And there were 60 more that are getting delivered and set free this morning. Father God, we thank you for this day. Most graciously, Heavenly Father, as we close out our service, Lord, I want to say that this is not possible without your presence here today, Lord. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that dwells so beautifully and richly at Caney Creek Cowboy Church. Lord, I thank you for change. I thank you for change. <laughs> I thank you for change. I thank you for change. I thank you for change. Though I'm not where I should be, I'm a lot further along than I used to be. Lord, I serve you, and thank you for those ones the day that came to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give God a praise.